0: To this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: If we kill pride, we kill the problem. As long as we allow pride to reside in our breast, we are going to always be a problem. We will always be. So there has to come this genuine humility, but the genuine humility comes by the recognition that I am just a sinner saved by grace.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Galatians chapter 6 verse 14 in a message titled, The Glory of the Cross. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: He's the one mediator, and he mediates because he paid the price for us to be able to have access to God. And so Paul understood that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The cross is also the place where the God-required righteousness was provided. And Paul understood this, and he wrote extensively about it. But you see, the Bible teaches us that we cannot access God because of our sin. And in order to be in God's presence, you have to have a a righteousness. And it's actually a perfect righteousness. The problem is we don't have a perfect righteousness. So what is the solution? Well, the cross is the solution Because it was at the cross that God made Christ, who knew no sin, to become the sin offering for us, that we might become the righteousness that God requires in him. That's what Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 5. And so, again, these are all of the things that the apostle understood. And he also finally understood that the cross is where Satan was defeated. Now, man has basically two problems: sin and Satan. And those those two things were hand at hand. Remember, Satan is the one who introduced sin into the human family. Man was created righteous; he was man was not originally a sinner. Man was created in fellowship with God. How did sin enter in? It was brought in by the devil, by Satan. But yet, it was at the cross. That Satan was finally defeated. Jesus said just before going to the cross, he said, now the prince of this world is judged. Now the prince of this world is cast out. And then Paul will write to the Colossians later and say that God having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in the cross. So when Paul says, God forbid that I should glory in anything except the cross, he said that because he understood that the cross, and of course, when we say the cross, we're talking about Christ and his death, that this is the central act of all time. This is the the thing that matters, and nothing else in comparison to it matters. This is the, the turning point for time and eternity. So the false teachers are looking to promote themselves. Ultimately, they're they're boasting in themselves. They're glorying in themselves. Paul says, God forbid that I should glory except in anything but the cross. The question for us is... Where are we? Are we with the, the Judaizers or are we with Paul? Are we inclined to boast in our personal attainments or our you know some some thing that we are or perceive ourselves to be or have done, or are we reserving all of our boasting? Because Again, we know this, that human nature hasn't changed. These are still the same issues that we face today. Think of it. People are, and and when I'm saying glorying here or boasting in, putting your confidence in, the idea is that this is where you derive your significance. This is where you see yourself as, you know, superior to others maybe, or this is the basis upon which you see yourself acceptable to God. What are the things that people are leaning on? the same things they always have been. Ethnicity. Some people see themselves as uh, superior to others ethnically. And sometimes they even translate that over to uh, a mentality that, well, of course, you know, we're the favored race. Uh, Of course, the Jews did this, probably more so than anybody. Um, Not exclusively, but they, they certainly did this. They saw themselves as superior to... The Gentile, the Gentiles, the other nations were less acceptable to God in the Jewish mind than they were. So they had put their ethnicity above everything else, and people, of course, do that today. That's still a, a massive problem all around the world. You know, it, it's not unknown that we have a cultural elite in our own country, and there are certain people in certain locations that they absolutely despise simply because of where they live and what that stands for culturally. So this is the human condition, right? Education, some people are, because of their education, they see themselves as superior, and in some cases, they translate that over to, well, you know, surely I'm accepted by God because, after all, I'm intelligent and I'm educated, And uh, so it's intellect, it's wisdom, sometimes it's talents. People are putting their confidence in their talents. They're putting their confidence in the way they look, their appearance. They they look down on other people because they are not seen as being as uh, attractive. Of course, wealth is another huge dividing factor, social status, physical strength. See, these are all the things that people have always put their confidence in and are still doing so today. This isn't a new problem, is it? All the way back in the days of Jeremiah, the Lord spoke through Jeremiah the prophet, and he said this. He said, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories or boast, let him glory in this. This. That he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. See, this this, this thing of human boasting in all the wrong things is a problem from beginning to end. All the way back in the time of Jeremiah, God says, you want to boast? This is what to boast about. Boast that you know me. That's, that's all that you... Legitimately can boast about. And that's what Paul's saying. All that he could legitimately boast about, even though there were other things, Paul saw the world through the correct lens. And so he understood that boasting was to only be in Christ. There's only one thing that matters at the end, and that's Christ and Him receiving the glory. God said that He uh, his glory would fill the earth, not my glory, not your glory, not like human glory collectively. So the, the attitude that is the proper attitude, regardless of our station in life, regardless of our privileges or lack of privilege or whatever else, across the board, our attitude is to be the attitude of the Apostle Paul here, God forbid that I should glory in anything except in the cross. If we're going to be proud, which we have an inclination to do, obviously, then let's make sure our pride is directed in the right direction. We're proud of the Lord. We're proud of what he's done for us. It's not a pride in ourselves. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Christ what does this glorying look like? So, so how do we, how how is this present itself, or how how are people gonna know that we're glorying not in ourselves but in Christ? What 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 are the um, the the marks of a person like Paul here? Well, first of all, there is obviously going to be humility. A person who glories in Christ is a person who's humble. It's a person who is not into self-promotion, but is really ultimately just into the promotion of Christ. It's a person whose mentality is, I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. Now, I was just talking about, you know, the attitudes of people all around, uh, you know, throughout time and so forth. But let's put this in our own context of Christians. And let's recognize that we are not exempt, obviously, from glorying in the wrong things, which the root of that is pride, which then creates all kinds of problems. And think about this for a moment. If we Like I said earlier, if we deal with pride, we deal with a problem. If we kill pride, we kill the problem. As long as we allow pride to reside in our breast, we are going to always be a problem. We will always be. So there, there has to come this genuine humility, but the genuine humility comes by the recognition that I am just a sinner saved by grace. Now, we've all heard the stories about uh, even pastors who, you know, maybe they have become well-known and they pastor large congregations and so forth. And then we hear the story of how they fell into adultery or they, you know, absconded with the funds or something like that. And, you know, the question is always, like, how does that happen? Well, you know how it happens? I can tell you right now. It happens, those things, the adultery, the the greed manifesting itself in, you know, embezzlement or whatever, those are a symptom. They're not really the problem. You see, before that happens, something else happens. Pride sets in. And that person forgets that they're only in the position they're in by the grace of God. They only do what they do because God appointed them to do that. And then they forget that. And we've got... You know, there's so many examples of this in history. Uh, going back to the Old Testament period, you've got King Saul, for example. King Saul, God takes him, he's humble, he makes him the king, and then it all goes to his head, and then he becomes just a lunatic, and he creates all kinds of problems for the kingdom, and he's trying to kill the heir and he, even his own son. And, you know, what, what is the problem? Well, God says what the problem was. He says to Saul, when you were small in your own eyes, I made you king and what happened he was originally humble but he became lifted up with pride and of course david had a fall not you know as severe as saul's because david repented but it was a similar thing god said to david after his sin with bathsheba he said you know i took you from following the sheep you were just a humble young man and i exalted you and now look what's happened so so pride is the problem So humility is the solution, but humility isn't something that we can, you know, make happen. Humility is the natural response of recognizing that I am simply a sinner saved by grace. And that whatever it is that I have, I have by the grace of God. Whatever it is I am, I am by the grace of God. You know, C S Lewis put it this way. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself. Because you know what? When you're approaching humility by trying to think less of yourself, what are you doing? You're thinking of yourself. <laughs> I can think less of myself. I'm terrible. I'm miserable. I'm, you know, stupid. I'm, you know, but it, but it's all the self. CSO said, no, humility is just thinking of yourself less. Just forget yourself, get yourself out of the picture. How do I get myself out of the picture? I'm so much in the picture. (laughs) And of course, as Pastor Chuck used to remind us, when you look at a group picture, who are you looking for? (laughs) And when you see the group picture, you either love it or hate it, depending on what? How you looked in the picture. (laughs) This is a terrible picture. Well, I think this picture is great. No, it's really bad. It's terrible. Well, why is it so bad? Well, look at me. Look how stupid I look. <laughs> we all are like that, right? How do we get rid of that? It's so ingrained in us. How do we get rid of it? Well, of course, it's the work of the Spirit. But practically, it's we just we're, we're it's about Christ. It's not about us. I'm glorying in the cross of Christ. That's my only place to boast that's my only confidence in the end it's my only significance so number one humility secondly selfless surrender to Christ that's what glorying in the cross looks like selfless surrender to Christ I'm I'm just giving my, my life belongs to Christ it doesn't it no longer belongs to me Paul put it this way, he said, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. He, and, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The false teachers in Galatia lived for themselves. It was all in the end about them being seen as popular, being seen as spiritual, being seen as moral, being seen as superior. So, if we are living lives where we 're glorying in Christ, then we, we 've given up on all of that, and our primary objective is the glory of Christ. I want Christ to be glorified. You know back in the eighteenth century, the what, what is called historically now the eighteenth century revival, this great outpouring of god 's spirit that took place in beginning in England, there were a number of leading figures in that, but there were two. Notable men, one named John Wesley, one named George Whitfield, and Wesley was he was a good man, but he was you know he was given to kind of self promotion and things, and you know he was a very um, capable man, and he he wrote and he put together a, you know very specific strategy for gospel outreach and and ministry and he, you know he was the founder of the methodist movement and all of that but then there was george whitfield and george whitfield was probably in one sense the more gifted person because he was an amazing communicator he was very eloquent and just even people who never came to faith would come to listen to him benjamin franklin for example would come and just listen to george whitfield preach because he was such a master communicator. And anyway, toward the end of Whitfield's life, his friends who loved him dearly, they really tried to push him to make more of a name for himself. It's like, you know, you're a great man. God's used you very extraordinarily. We need to kind of perpetuate your, your legacy. And they, they pressed him on it. And Whitfield said this. He said, let the name of Christ." Be exalted, and let the name of Whitfield perish. See, he had no ambition to do that because he was in the end doing what Paul said. he was glorying in the christ he wasn 't living for himself, he was glorying in the cross, and then thirdly and finally, this is going to show itself in love. God demonstrated his own love toward us, as we 've already mentioned, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, greater love is no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Love for God, love for his people, love for the lost in the world. Those are all the things that are gonna come as a result of us glorying in Christ and in the cross and not in ourselves. And if I'm lacking love, if I'm lacking love for God, then it's obvious that I'm I'm not glorying in the cross. I'm not seeing the cross for for what it really is if i'm lacking love for my fellow believers then it's obvious that i'm uh, there's something more about myself that i'm concerned with than than with them and you know so much of the division that exists in the church of jesus christ is is due to this whole thing of of pride and selfish ambition and self-exaltation and and you know i don't want this person to get any recognition because that takes recognition away from me you know among pastors there's a a thing it's an unfortunate thing but uh, we just kind of refer to it as territorialism so you know there's kind of like I've got my territory staked out so listen don't come into my turf uh, because this is this is my area and all of the people here are, you know, I'm going to be the one to reach them. So if another church comes into my territory, another pastor, then I don't like that. And I don't like that person. And I got to say, you know, snide things about them. And I got to be critical of them. And I got to find some reason why they're illegitimate. And even if somebody comes with a great report about what God's doing, you're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, you don't know what I know. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, I know some things. This is a like an epidemic in the church. What is it derived from? It's derived from pride. And why is that pride there? Because people aren't looking and glorying in the cross alone. If I'm glorying in the cross, I'm just going to be thankful that more people are believing in Jesus, whether they come and listen to me or not, is not the point. The fact that they are believing in Christ, that's what we want. And that is what's going to show itself when we are living this way. And then, of course, when it's people in the world for whom Christ died, who have yet to come, we're going to have that love for them as well. And we're not going to write them off because, and you know, we, we can do this, right? We think of certain people and we think, oh, that guy's so prideful. Oh, those rich people, you know, man, that guy deserves to just go to hell, you know. Such a, you know, obnoxious person anyway. Or, you know, we, we, can, we can do that, right? It, it's human nature. It's just the way we are. But the grace of God The power of the Holy Spirit with the focus on the cross, that's what changes all of that. Because as I said, you kill the pride, you kill the problem. And the problem is dealt with through the cross. And so if our objective, if our ambition, if our first thing like Paul's was is the cross of Christ Jesus and his will, his plan, his way, his purpose. If that's the thing that we have as the focus of our hearts, then everything else is going to come into place. And that pride that causes those problems on every single level, I'm just mentioning a few levels, but on every level, relationships personal relationships family relationships home all of those things it's going to just be dealt with the cross deals with it so god help us to have this kind of intentionality that paul has he says god forbid that i should glory except in anything but the cross and may, may that be our hearts too God forbid. And when we find ourselves glorying in other things, which we will, there's no doubt about it. Because again, this is our condition. But as we find that to be the case, we, we recognize it and we say, wait a second. Oh Lord, God forbid, help me to get my eyes off myself and onto you and your great love demonstrated through the cross.
0: Let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, John Bonner, a missionary pioneer in Peru, has written a book. He has written a book called The Myth
1: of Coincidence, and it is such a great book. It's a small book, but you know how both of us love missionary biographies? That's right. Well, this is one adventure, I'll tell you. It's an amazing story of how, uh, you know, John's own personal life and some of the things that happened, some of the tragedy His meeting Pilar, his wife, in Mexico City, them being there during one of the big earthquakes, and then the Lord leading them into Peru. And now 20 years they've been in Peru and pioneering the gospel there, planted many churches. And I couldn't put the book down. It was a page-turner. So John Bonner, and the title, again, is The Myth of Coincidence.
0: And he just basically shows through the book that there are no coincidences that God is at work behind the scenes. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. You can order the book The Myth of Coincidence by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner to help you understand that God is working behind the scenes in your life too. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry.